0: Welcome to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature.
1: I call this century the Sophia century. The Sophia century, the 100 years, the 21st century, when women will take our rightful role in co-equal partnership with men and the world will come into balance. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives.
0: We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. In this series, The pioneers' Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions for restoring people and planet, creating a future environment of hope. What would a co-equal partnership between women and men look like? Does such a model even exist? And how would the world be different? Those same timely questions occurred over 150 years ago to the early feminists who became the leading suffragists in their quest for equal rights for women. Ironically, they found the answer in their own backyards, seminal feminists including Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Matilda Joslyn Gage, and Lucretia Mott lived in upstate New York where they formed friendships with their Native American neighbors, the Haudenosaunee, commonly known as the Iroquois Six Nations. These Iroquois women possessed freedoms far beyond those of their white sisters, decisive political power, control of their bodies, control of their own property, custody of the children they bore, the power to initiate divorce, satisfying work, and a society generally free of rape and domestic violence. Only the women could declare war. The women chose the male chiefs and could revoke their office and authority. Today, waves of women are spontaneously arising around the world to demand equal rights. They're doing so in the context of a world gone terribly wrong, from climate disruption to horrific exploitation and institutionalized violence, a world that has been run by men. Again, women are asking, what would a co-equal partnership between women and men look like, and how would the world be different? This is the Sophia century, when women come into co-equal partnership with Osprey Oriel Lake, Leila Salazar Lopez, and Lynn Twist. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Life is what happens when you're making other plans, as John Lennon said. Osprey-Oriel Lake worked as a bronze sculptor whose installations were intended to reconnect urban dwellers with the natural world. Then as a writer, she explored our cultural narratives in her book, Uprisings for the Earth, Reconnecting Culture with Nature. Then, the escalating climate crisis tipped her. She knew she had to turn to women to seek new and more fundamental solutions.
2: One of the untold stories about climate change is women's empowerment and women's leadership and how women's leadership is so key to solutions. On the one hand, Women around the world are the most negatively impacted by climate change and environmental degradation. But at the same time, women are really key to solutions. They're central stakeholders. As an example, between 60 and 80 percent of all household food production in developing countries is done by women. So, you know, we're having these big conversations about food security and food sovereignty and how we're going to lower our carbon footprint around agriculture. We're talking women. This is also true around water. Women are responsible in developing countries for collecting water. So we're looking at how we're going to make sure we have water security, where the water is and how it's distributed. Again, a lot of these programs we see, if they don't involve women, they don't work because women are very involved with what's going on with their water cycles, their planting cycles. So also when you're talking about mitigation and adaptation programs around climate, you've got to involve women in the decision-making process. And women are really not at the table yet.
0: Osprey Lake hooked up with leading women activists to found the Women's Earth and Climate Network. It's a transgenerational network of women from the global north and global south that includes policymakers, indigenous women, grassroots women leaders, and business women intent on tapping women's vision and power to address the climate crisis.
2: Catherine Lucy, who's the founder and CEO of an organization called Solar Sister, And they have really innovative social enterprises that are creating green energy revolutions in Africa. And they have all women-led businesses and have people do direct sales on like small handheld units and different solar units that they can use in the home. So the women create a business. At the same time, they're jumping fossil fuel energy and going right to solar. We're also partnering with a woman named Natalie Isaacs, who comes out of Australia. And she has a program called One Million Women. It's an Australian-wide campaign, and women are taking really practical action to reduce waste and pollution in their daily lives through household energy, food, fashion, shopping, transport, and travel. And they have 80,000 members, and people are learning, what can I do in my own home? So women feel really empowered and not frightened about climate change. I mean, worrying is not a solution. Getting active is a solution. And so this gives women opportunity to get educated. And we're looking at bringing that campaign to the U.S.
0: Lakenner partners in the Women's Earth and Climate Network began widening their scope to include women who aren't necessarily focused on climate because it's all connected.
2: One of our delegates is a woman from El Salvador, Marta Benavides. And she works a lot with many issues around climate, but also around peace. And I think one of the things that's really interesting and important to recognize around climate change in any country we're in is that, you know, militaries around the world are looking at this as a national security issue. Because what happens when the water runs out? What happens when the food runs out? What do you do? You can't eat or drink oil. So, this does create tension, obviously, around survival. And this is where I think women's voices also are really key in the sense that women are really bent on waging peace. And so, I think how we can go about doing this is looking at it in a way of collaboration, not competition, nurturance, not destruction and depletion of not just the earth, but also destroying our communities or being adversarial to other communities. Women want action, and this combination of policy women coming together with women working in solar power, wind technology, with grassroots and indigenous leaders, incredible women from the Congo forests, from the Amazon forests, telling us directly what is happening to their forests and what's happening with their fossil fuel resistance campaigns and how we can support them. The key here is how do we collaborate, how do we create an ecosystem of these women networks so that our collective power really can get traction that we need because we can't do this alone. That's what we're all learning. This has got to be a collective effort and I think women are really well poised for that.
3: La selva se defiende. La selva no se vende. These are the words that echoed through the Amazon rainforest to the highlands of the Andean capital of Quito. And that means the forest is not for sale. The forest needs to be defended. The forest is life.
0: Leila Salazar Lopez is the program director at Amazon Watch, a leading nonprofit group working to protect the Amazon basin rainforest and the rights of its indigenous peoples. She works closely with the Amazonian women of Ecuador to prevent further oil exploration on indigenous lands. At the end of 2012, the Ecuadorian government initiated the 11th round, an auction of oil leases in the southern Ecuadorian Amazon which is home to seven indigenous nations. Along with it came another round of repression against any resistance. Leila Salazar Lopez spoke at a Bioneers conference.
3: It's basically putting 6.5 million acres of rainforest on the chopping block. And we announced a new campaign together with Pachamama Alliance to fight the 11th round, to stand with our indigenous partners. Hundreds of thousands of signatures later and Lots of public pressure later, going to every single auction around the world that the Ecuadorian government has had, from Houston to Canada to Beijing to France, with indigenous leaders, with men and women. And the auction has been delayed.
0: The resistance has not been futile. The Ecuadorian government's attempts to lease the oil were plagued by a transnational oil spill, global protests, wary investors, deadline extensions, and other setbacks. That's why the government approached indigenous leaders to consult with them. But many of the women are wary, including Sarayaku leader Patricia Gualinga.
3: But what Patricia was saying was, you know, we're nervous about this. You know, we know that we've delayed it but we're nervous about it because now the government is consulting us and that's what we want. You know, We don't want any oil development project to go forward without any free prior and informed consent. Not just consultation, but consent. You know, The government is gonna consult us and they're gonna meet with our leaders and most of our leaders are men. We gotta make sure that the women's voice is out there because these are her words. Sometimes the men could be convinced and we're not gonna be convinced. There's no way that the women are going to move. There's no way that the women are going to negotiate. And she told us, you know, we want to have this women's mobilization. And will you support us? We want to bring the women from the Amazon together in Puyo. And then we want to march to Quito. This woman stood in front of the Ecuadorian Congress when she was supposed to say, it's okay, you can drill our land. She had a script that she was supposed to read in front of the Ecuadorian Congress. She said, I'm not reading the script. She put the script to a side and she spoke from her heart. What she said was, I'm here to defend life. That's what the mothers do. That's what the grandmothers do. That's what the women do. These are guerreras. These are serious warriors that have not let oil development in their territories for the last 25 years since the oil companies have wanted to go into those areas. Every company from Arco, from Ajeep, from Chevron, from CGC, all of these companies have tried to get into this area, and the communities there, in particular the Kichwa community of Sarayaku, have resisted.
0: Guerreras, women warriors defending life, women who will not be moved. The Sarayaku and other indigenous peoples then took their case to the Inter-American Court of Human Rights. In July 2012, the court ruled that the government must consult with indigenous communities prior to any oil exploration and pay damages as well as remove dynamite still buried on community lands. Even if the government were to comply with the ruling, the women say it's not enough. They want not consultation but consent. They assert their rights to the use of their lands and to the survival of their culture. Leila Salazar Lopez shared a statement the Kichua women of the Sarayaku made during the march to Quito.
3: From the depths of our bellies, Amazon women feel the negative impacts of extraction. They've divided our mother earth into concessions. They've divided her into blocks as if she were a cloth ripped into pieces and then offered piece by piece in the market. This is not the destiny that we want for our mother. Our mother gave birth to us and that is why Mother Earth is sacred to us. The indigenous women express Rosa Dawa, who is marching. We are here to defend the air, the water, the animals, the forests, and all that is living. And that is why we march.
0: Layla Salazar Lopez, sharing the voices of Amazonian indigenous women warriors defending life. When we return, how women can give full wing to humanity. This is the Sophia century, when women come into co equal partnership. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature. To explore all available Bioneers radio shows and video programming, please visit Bioneers.org.
1: I want to talk about the women in Africa because I was with the Nobel Women Peace Prize laureates with whom I have the great privilege of working.
0: Lynn Twist is a visionary leader who's dedicated her life to global initiatives that create a sustainable future for all. She co-founded the Pachamama Alliance, which works to empower indigenous people of the Amazon rainforest to preserve their lands and culture, and to educate and inspire individuals everywhere to bring forth a thriving, just, and sustainable world. She's received numerous awards, including the Woman of Distinction Award from the United Nations. She works with the Nobel Women's Initiative and spoke at a Bioneers conference about her trip to Africa with women Nobel laureates.
1: We went to Liberia at the invitation of the president who won the Nobel Prize, President Ellen Johnson Sirleaf and Lema Bowie who won the Nobel Prize. And Lema won the Nobel Prize in 2011. It was the first time that three women got the Nobel Peace Prize together. And if you just think about this, the 115, 120 years of the Nobel Peace Prize, 98 men have won and 15 women. Of the 15 women who've won, nine are alive. And they formed the Nobel Women's Initiative. And a little-known fact about the Nobel Prize is it was invented by a woman. Alfred Nobel's secretary gave him the idea, just so you know that. (laughs) (laughs) So to have three women win the Nobel Prize in December of 2011 was a huge breakthrough. And one of them was Lema Bowie. Now, Lema Bowie is just a formidable, amazing Liberian woman. And if you saw a movie called Pray the Devil Back to Hell the story of the women of Liberia who ended one of the most brutal, atrocious, completely horrendous wars in the history of a continent that's had some pretty bad wars, Africa. And both Liberia and Sierra Leone were the wars that often the press would report about people's hands and feet being cut off. Those were the wars in which those atrocities took place. And the war in Liberia went on for 10 years, and the women, there were several versions of the war, the women were the people who actually ended it.
0: The film Pray the Devil Back to Hell tells the astounding story of the women of Liberia mass action for peace. As a movement of Christian and Muslim women, they organized nonviolent protests and prayed for peace. Their leader, Lema Bowie, managed to force a meeting with then-President Charles Taylor, later convicted of war crimes, to pressure the warlord to finally stop the war.
1: And that's what Lema won the Nobel Peace Prize for. She organized 3,000 women. Okay, so these are women whose daughters had been kidnapped and become sex slaves to the soldiers and the warlords, whose sons had been taken for child soldiers and who were drugged and doing horrible things to people. And the women were left behind, the mothers, the grandmothers left behind. The stories that we heard in Liberia would break your heart over and over and over again. You didn't think you could listen to one more. Yet, how powerful it is for women who've been through that to tell someone who they feel is actually there to listen to them is a huge gift to them. So in Liberia we heard story after story after story of this rape, of this atrocity, of having their hand cut off, of being tortured, et cetera, et cetera. What really I want to say is that out of that horror, the women rose up. They would not let the men not come to an agreement. And there were many, many peace talks going on in Ghana. So the men went to Ghana, the warlords and the generals went to Ghana to meet over and over and over again, and they would end up drinking with each other and getting drunk together and then going back to Liberian fighting again. Lema organized the women to go to Ghana, 3,000 of them. They surrounded the hotel where the men were inside drinking and cavorting and not doing peace talks. They would not let the men come out They would not let any food in. They would not let any garbage out. They would not let anyone leave that building. And this was not, you know, one day or two days. This went on and on for weeks and months until the men came to a peace. And they ended the war.
0: Out of the horror, the women rose up and stopped the war. but The horror had been deep and traumatic. Stopping the war didn't necessarily mean ending the war.
1: When the war was over, the UN comes in. It's their job to disarm both sides of the conflict. So they set a date, you know, out in the future, months ahead. This is the day when you come to these checkpoints and you turn in your arms. For turning in your arms, you will get a gift of some large amount of money for a Liberian person and three months of food for your family. So come in this day to these checkpoints and turn in your guns. That day came and it turned into a huge escalation of violence again. So the women went to the UN and they said, let us do it. So they set another date. The women went to the warlords and the generals on both sides. They said, send us your boys first. And th- you know, these are their sons in some cases. We want them eight at a time. And they were at these checkpoints outside of Monrovia. When the boys came, First of all, they bathed them. They shaved their heads. They sang to them. And once they'd sung and bathed them and shaved their heads, the boys started to cry. They rocked them. They held them. They forgave them. Sometimes it took a day. Sometimes it took three days. Sometimes it took 27 hours until the boys felt that they could go on. Then they gave them the food they gave them the money, and they say, we'll take eight more. They did this day after day, week after week, month after month, until they had disarmed their own children, their own husbands, their own fathers. And they began the healing of that nation.
0: It took a disarmament of the soul to actually end the war. It took the women to do that. Since the war's end, The Women of Liberia Mass Action for Peace, assisted by the Pachamama Alliance and others, has focused on ending the pandemic of rape and sexual violence. Lema Bowie now serves as executive director and founding member of the Women, Peace, and Security Network, Africa, a women-led, pan-African, non-governmental organization based in Ghana. It promotes women's strategic participation and leadership in peace and security governance in Africa. All over the world, movements of women are rebuilding war-torn societies, restoring the environment, and creating social justice. For Lynn Twist, these movements led by women bespeak a profound shift that underlies everything and that changes everything.
1: I call this century the Sophia century. The Sophia century, the hundred years, the 21st century, when women will take our rightful role in co-equal partnership with men and the world will come into balance. And the Native American prophecy that really warms my heart says that in the 21st century, that the bird of humanity until now has been flying with one wing that's been flapping so hard and has become violent because it has had to support the bird. And the other wing of humanity hasn't fully extended itself, hasn't fully expressed itself. And so the bird of humanity is flying in constant circles. The 21st century has been prophesied as the century when the other wing of humanity, the female wing of humanity, the feminine wing of humanity, will fully extend itself. And when it does, the male wing can relax. Mm-hmm. And fly normally and both wings will be fully extended and the bird of humanity can finally soar. And I say it's up to us to stop the violence, to stop the killing, to stop the corporate exploitation, to stop the gridlock, and to have the bird of humanity soar. And we need to step up a whole lot more. We need to get this wing, you know? (laughs) because this one's just flapping like mad. (laughs) And we need to get this fully extended. We need to take leadership, we need to organize, we need to step up, we need to march, we need to do stuff we're not that comfortable doing. And we need to do it from our deep feminine truth, from our heart, not attacking, but standing firm and being unyielding. So yes, let's do it. (laughs)
0: As Lynn Twist, Leila Salazar Lopez, and Osprey Lake show, by spreading the wings of women, the bird of humanity can gain full wing and soar. And it's up to people to make it happen. The Sophia century, when women come into co-equal partnership. see video or hear more from these women leaders, explore more Bioneers radio shows and video programming online at Bioneers.org. For information on attending the National Bioneers Conference and Bioneers events in your area, please visit Bioneers.org or call 1-877-Bioneer. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive Producer, Kenny ossabell Written by Kenny Ausubel. Senior producer, Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Interview recording engineer, Jeff Westman. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Ricodisc label. Additional music was made available by James Asher at newearthrecords.com. For more music information, please visit radio.bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0414.